Hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> the meaning of it all is getting lost in the presence of His glory. We press in, we feast, we wine and dine on the divine kind. We get high, we get drunk on the Word of God and the anointing every day for one reason. To get lost in His presence. You gotta understand that is the, the end result. When you're in the glory, you're in the fullness. You're in the throne room of God the Father. When you're lost in the glory, you've arrived. There's nothing more. Now your full-time job, once you're there, is to stay there. And what keeps you there is revelations of the Word of God. The Word's what pegs your mind to stay lost in the glory all the time. <laughs> so just understand now that you believe in Jesus, your entire mission and purpose on earth is to go deeper in the Spirit until you completely lose yourself to the glory of God. Where you can't find you or the glory and you're so mixed together that you don't know where God begins and where you end because you're all just one liquid sea of glass. Heaven is a melting pot of glory and He's taken your hearts and your minds and your bodies with your spirit as your spirit transfigures by looking into the glory of the Word. How often? Constantly. Transfiguration is not a one-time deal. You're not working your way up to transfiguration someday when you're more mature. You're being transfigured constantly, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. Constant metamorphosis as you look into the light of the Word in your spirit. The Word of God today is Amos chapter 9, verse 11. But also on that judgment day, I will restore David's house. Because it's fallen to pieces. It's the kingdom rulership of the earth. It's fallen to pieces. It means there isn't an order of Melchizedek righteousness of kings and priests mature enough to maintain the rulership of the kingdom of his glory over the flesh of the earth. But that's changing rapidly. As you get lost in the glory, you're being mentored and discipled by God the Father himself every single day. And the only thing that God's mentoring you in is to become exactly like himself in your heart feelings and your mind's thoughts and in the movement of your will in your bones and marrow that become the water courses of the very Garden of Eden as you grow in the glory. Growing in the glory doesn't mean that the glory grows. The glory is perfected already. The glory can't get any more growy. It's as growy as growy gets. 
growing in the glory, glory to glory, is the mind illuminated to Christ in the spirit progressively. Like a magnifying glass, you're constantly zooming in. You'll never grow in the glory until you start to become God inside minded. You won't. You'll grow in witchcraft, but you won't grow in the Shekinah. I've never seen a person consistent in the Shekinah glory unless they were God inside minded. Out of your belly will flow rivers of glory. But of this he spoke of the spirit of glory to God, for he gives only the glory to believers. Believe only and you shall see the glory. It is written. And the believer's full-time job is to believe. Why? So that they may see the glory, which is seeing the promised land. It's like Moses standing on the mountain overlooking the Jordan, looking into the promised land. When you look into the glory, of Christ in you, you're looking into the promised land. That's what it means by keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. It's keeping your eyes fixed on the land of promises. How many of y'all know there's no promises apart from the promises land? The glory land. The realm of the glory is the promised land. It's the place that you're growing into. And in the wilderness are all spiritual enemies trying to keep you out. So that's why Joshua only got in by becoming mighty warriors, Joshua and Caleb. And it wasn't Joshua and Caleb only. It required the Lord of hosts. He was there too. Met with Joshua on the battlefield and said, I'm going to fight the angelic war here. This is not a natural war. It's an angelic war, even in the old covenant. It's a very different covenant, but it required angel armies of the Lord of hosts. The most common name for God is that the angels better show up or there's no salvation for Israel. Anywhere in the Old Testament. Lord of hosts. If the angels don't show up, there's no breakthrough. It's the same for you right now in the New Covenant. If the angels don't move, you can't break through. For salvation only comes through ministering angels, Hebrews 1 says. Your breakthrough is dependent on angels. You can't grow from glory to glory without angelic help. You know, the glory of the angels is the glory of the Holy Spirit. The second coming is a threefold glory. The Bible says he comes in the glory of the Father. He comes in the glory of himself, Jesus Christ. And he comes in the glory of the angels. We release the glory of the angels upon your souls, upon your minds, angelic tongues, angelic winds. Twice this week, leaders in Red Letter Ministries had doors physically open, heavy doors physically open. This isn't just like doors in your house. These were thick, glass, heavy metal doors on commercial buildings. This isn't a house door. This was a commercial building door both times, and it opened by the wind that was blowing. Winds. He makes his angels winds. And it was the day before I experienced the most severe spiritual warfare of 2022. It was pretty, pretty intense stuff. Woo. I'm glad it only lasted for a night. 
And then joy came in the morning. It was, you know why? Because the angels and the Holy Spirit, the glory of the Holy Spirit through the angels told us this would be over with quick. But they always warn me when it's going to get intense. I always get a warning beforehand. So the door blew open with wind and then heavy warfare and the wind dealt with the warfare and everything was settled. And so we rely on these winds to destroy the works of the devil because our lives depend on it. Bobby Connor says most of you would be without body parts if it weren't for the angels. Bob Jones says, I don't believe in angels. I rely on them. <laughs> I remember some of the craziest Joel's bars. I'd be interacting with my angel Sophia and just saying, I need a greater wisdom today. I want to pull on the wisdom of my father that's inside your spirit, angel of wisdom. And I want to bring a greater wisdom at Joel's bar. And I'd sit there at Joel's bar during these days earlier in this year and just channel angelic wisdom. Like, I'm not even there. I've just learned to let go and let it flow like a river. You gotta let wisdom flow like a river. You know how you grow? By yielding to the angelic and the Lord of hosts who defeats your enemies with the word and with the spirit and with the blood of Jesus. You know why the angels will begin to obey every word out of your mouth? Because you're of his bloodline. Your spirit is born of the bloodline of Jesus. It is written. But you gotta forsake your human bloodline. Most people don't do that, so they don't get the inheritance of the bloodline of Christ. You can't have both. Not gonna happen. You must forsake the animal in order to have the angel. They are the angel-like children of the resurrection because they are the sons of God, Luke 20 says. Amplified classic. Which means the inheritance of the mature spirit beings of the glory are ones who get more familiar with the angels. Otherwise, there's no dominion over the animals. Without a maturity in the angelic, which is the Holy Spiritual, in the Holy Spirit, you can't mature in the Holy Spirit except getting into the angels because he is the Lord of angel armies. It's him that empowers the wings of the angels. He is the spirit inside the archangel's wings in their movement. They move in the spirit. There is a flying in the spirit with your angel wings. You have wings. Your spirit has wings and you will flow in the spirit like an angel. You will soar on wings as eagles. But it's not as eagles, it's as angels. Amen? Eagle angels, which is prophetic spirit beings, sons of God, living creatures. With all the abilities of God beaming out of your spirit. And it's always going to first irritate the mind. It'll oppose and violently destroy religion, poverty, and people-pleasing. I've never seen anyone get deep in the prophetic who wasn't offensive. (laughs) Study church history. It doesn't exist. I've never seen anyone grow in the prophetic to a place of power and authority that wasn't utterly appalling to natural Christianity. It always is, and you just got to get that revelation so you can get into the river 
and let the river upgrade your spiritual ability and literally wash your mind. The mind needs to be constantly washed in the water of the word. Without a washed mind, the enemy wins every time. So Lord, brainwash us. You've been brainwashed by every other Lord down here. Now it's time to be brainwashed by Jesus. You get brainwashed by TV. They get brainwashed by culture. You get brainwashed by your your group of like-minded people. They're brainwashed. The stuff you think and believe is a brainwashing. But make sure you're brainwashing in the river of life. Make sure that it's not mixture of anything else, anything human. It can't even be anything good. Yeah. That's the most dangerous thing, getting brainwashed in the knowledge of good. That'll seriously destroy your souls. You need to get brainwashed in the life of Jesus. There's a brainwash in the glory where you're just high all the time. You know, that's where you get high, by putting the glory in your brain. You know, people have to smoke and drink and inject and snort and do all these things. Why? To get it high, to put it in their brain. Guess what happens if you put the glory in your brain? You get the real deal and not the counterfeit. This generation, for the most part, has not even found the real deal. We've been trying to introduce it, but it's it's still fringe. People don't think that the cup of the new covenant is the main course in Christianity, but the Bible says, finally, when they get it, the spirit and the bride will say, come and drink. Right now, it's mostly come and think, which makes us stink. It doesn't release the fragrance of Christ. It released the fragrance of charismatic witchcraft. They were wrestling pretty severely today, actually. <laughs> a lot of people praying their will, will with good intentions, empowering demons in Christianity. That's true. A lot of people praying the devil. Because if it opposes their sound doctrine and theology, they'll have to go into the spiritual world to grab something that agrees with their carnal theology, and then they pray a demon on you. I've seen demons come out of people's hands by the laying on of hands. I saw there was this president of my university that I went to, and he was just a total demon-possessed Pharisee, just a total self-righteous punk, and he wanted to lay hands on me. And I was a brand new missionary in 2006 doing inner-city missions, just hardcore on the streets, and it was just awesome, but I was deep in the spirit. I was praying in tongues all day. I was just getting whacked in the glory, experiencing the fire, experiencing signs and wonders. This guy wasn't experiencing any of it, except the control spirit of religion. And when I wouldn't let him lay hands on me and impart his demon spirits, he went to the president of the university and said I was a troublemaker and I wouldn't submit to authority. They had me excommunicated from the denomination. That's how I got kicked out of North Central. Because I wouldn't let them impart, I wouldn't let them impart their assemblies of God demons into me. So we got kicked out of the assemblies of God. No regrets, but it's surprising and it still hurts, you know, because you're always just trying to serve God and you, you're loyal and you're faithful to others, but usually they're not to you. And that's been mostly the, the path of the prophetic is that as you grow more and more faithful, even to others to serve their spirit, they grow less and less faithful to you. Paul says the same thing in the Bible. If I love you more, will you love me less? Yes, every time. Because the animal can't respond with wisdom out of the spirit. The soul 
is always wrongdoing. And so Jesus on the cross and you with them, Father, forgive them. They don't understand. They don't know what they're doing because they're soulish. Soulishness is total blindness. Blind leading the blind are the soulless, Jesus Christ said in the Bible. But those that are led by the Spirit are God's adopted sons and daughters. Those that are spiritually minded are led by the river. You know how the kingdom advances? Through riveranity. There is a river whose streams make glad, so you can tell who's in the river. If they're being made glad. You can see the river flowing right through your soul when you're in it. How do I get back to the river? Repent, which means return to your first love because out of your belly will flow rivers. You have a river in you. You're born of water, which means your new creature in Christ requires the river to move one step in God's will after you're born again. So the main thing is the demon just puts them in the dry place. There's no water, so they can't grow or ever do God's will, no matter how much they want to. Because God's will is only in the living water. There is no will for your life in all Christianity except in the living water. The good shepherd shall lead them to the springs of the waters of life and wipe every tear from their eye. Revelation 7.17, which means if you're spirit-led, you're water-led. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be, amp- the door will be open. <laughs> if you're thirsty, you'll be satisfied. <laughs> Do you guys know that when I'm speaking up here, I'm also drinking? Sometimes it gets me really good. I like it. You know, that's that's the secret of divine ministry is that you're getting drunk and high every single time. I only say the words that will get my own soul whacked. You know, you, you're up here because you're going to reap what you sow, so you want to sow some hard, heavy stuff to get, get your soul completely fried. That's the secret of making ministry fun is that you're only ministering the same stuff that intoxicates you. A double-edged sword, so it's it's making room for a greater glory with every word. Holy Ghost. Jesus. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. So there's a flow to your word choices. You're only speaking, you know, wisdom, which is self-control, is only the speaking of the words that you want to encounter in your soul. What do you want to feel today, God? Then only speak the thoughts and feelings of God. Because your words are your judges or your words are your atmospheres. So you just change your vocabulary to only speak the words of glory. And it's a king of war and it's a god of war because it's a war zone against animals. Intoxication is the slaughter of the beast. You know, the Bible says it. Proverbs 9, wisdom, in order to get drunk and mix wine and prepare a feast where you just get high and drunk, the Bible says it ain't going to happen unless you, Proverbs 9, kill 
You're a beast. So there is a slaughter for the intoxication. There's an annihilation for the resurrection. Without the annihilation and the slaughter of divine love, there's no actual outpouring of divine love. The love in the divine intoxicating substances of the glory realm cannot pour out of you and your soul remain intact. Not going to happen. It only comes through tearing. He tore the veil in order for you to enter the spirit. In order for the spirit to take over, your soul has to be torn as a veil in the temple, which is the circumcision of the heart. Is your soul torn in half like the veil of the temple? If not, then your mind is delusional and not controlled by the spirit yet, which is the technon infancy in Christ that we deal with and why the actions are mostly disobedience continuously. Because you can't get obedience and loyalty and faithfulness to the kingdom until the veil of the heart is circumcised and rent through and they're not trying to patch it up with band-aids anymore. Like, heal the veil. No, keep the veil torn. You know, transfiguration is basically first and foremost embracing the sword that cuts it in half. Gotta cut the veil your animal heart in half and then peel it back with a progressive outpouring of the fire of your spirit valuing the spirit more than the natural each day because if you turn back it does get covered and gets seven times worse and gets called a calloused heart a calloused heart is someone that started sanctification but ended and said no we're not going any farther farther holy spirit Holy Spirit, I'm not even going to let you father me anymore. I'm going to let the world father me. The world's nicer to me. The world doesn't require my heart be given. But you lose your heart. You lose your soul. False fathers pretend to be nice to you when they hate your guts and want to exploit you. Whoever is the most honest and blunt with you and the Spirit is the one who loves you the most in life. The ones that are brown-nosing, people-pleasers, fake kindness, fake, fake niceness, they don't like you, they don't love you at all. Zero. That's fake. True love, the Bible says, is a sword. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is Jesus. The Word of God is a sword. Love, agape, is a sword for your heart and for your mind. The mind also has to be circumcised as a veil. Bible says that the, the veil of the world, Satan, the God of this world, has veiled the souls of unbelievers. Which means if there's unbelief in the mind, which there is, there's still a veil over it. So what's the solution for the veil? Circumcision of the mind. Circumcision of the heart is wonderful, but we also need circumcision of the mind. When the mind circumcised, you'll see into the light of the Shekinah glory constantly. And these people are the ones that start to get consistent in obedience to the Holy Ghost, which is how the kingdom's built. It requires your soul knowing the Lord in his light and then taking orders as a son and daughter of glory. To be a son and daughter means that you have a father and the father is the cloud. How many of y'all know it's the cloud that's fathering your spirit to also be a cloud to cover the earth, which is Amos 9.11, 
David's broken down walls, David's broken down temple and tower and tabernacle is the soul so rent and so circumcised that the spirit is so fathered that there is a habitation and a maintaining of the spirit of glory in the believer region wide. You become the cloud line, the skyline. Your consciousness will walk on a superdome of your own spirit. That's literally the imagery of the first overcomer, Jesus Christ, firstborn from among the dead. Well, you're like the 10,000th overcomer, but you have the same experience, which is your, there's a sea of glass, which is the defeating of all your enemies with the days of Noah using the living waters, and there's a throne over the sea of glass using the living water of the ability of the Holy Spirit to conquer your spiritual enemies, and the throne over that sea of glass is your realm of the kingdom as a king and priest of the kingdom of heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. It could also be interpreted dominions. Many realms of overcomers. And whatever you overcome and drowned, the Bible says in Luke, if you're faithful with the talent, one talent, two talent, five talent, I'll give you one city, two cities, five cities, ten cities, because they're realms that you're faithful in the baptism. Mark 16, go and disciple all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. doesn't mean just having little dunk tanks. It means days of Noah, living water, dunk cities. And it's going to be under your renewed mind, It'll be like rolling on top of the dome of your spirit, creating realms. You know, wheel within wheel is your mind over your spirit. And you're riding over the high places of the earth. The Bible says, Isaiah 60, you'll ride upon the high places of the earth, eat the inheritance of Jacob. You'll be in the highway of holiness, no unclean thing. This is your mind so renewed to the glory in your spirit by constantly feasting on the Word of God and transfiguring, looking into the Word, the glory of the Word, having gotten your spirit so powerful that you take dominion over the land. Original design is let us create man in our image and give them dominion over the natural realm. So we're going back to Garden of Eden design of God's image bearing first and foremost understand that's spirit only because God is spirit those who worship God have to be in spirit and truth John 4 24 and then also your mind over your spirit your mind under your spirit is baptized by your spirit but your mind will also be flowing with your spirit you need a mind Adam and Eve had minds transfigured by the renewing of the brain but the vision is the mind like a wheel within a wheel rolling over the spirit, like a white stone with a new name on it. I'm going to write the name of Jesus Christ on your foreheads. That's the stone. That's the 500 pound millstone. Out of that rock of your brain will flow rivers and they all drink from that rock and that rock is your brain Christ. Amen. Can people drink the river? with your the living waters through your brain on tap. Well, that's what the focus of all spiritual growth the next 15 years of your life is. That's all that God's interested in, is making you exactly like Jesus Christ to do what Jesus Christ can do. And He wants to raise you up, train you up to have all of the same abilities. He wants you so far above that everything below is getting pastored by your renewed mind. 
A renewed mind knows how the spirit flows and knows how the spirit works. A renewed mind sees angels in the realm of the natural because a renewed mind is a spirit mind. You'll see them right with your physical eyeballs because your physical eyeballs aren't physical anymore. They're spiritual eyeballs. Your senses are progressively glorified to being used in the invisible angelic realm. You keep your five senses. They just get more and more glorified. Glory to glory is in your senses. Your eyes, your smell, your nose, your mouth, your ears, your touch. All your senses go from glory to glory. You begin to smell the glory. You can go up with your nostrils. You can get raptured through scent. It's true. Ask Mary of Bethany. When they poured out the sacred fragrance, it was intoxicating. There was a rapture in the scent. We've released the fragrance of Christ everywhere, the Bible says. Why is it important to release a fragrance? Because you take their minds up if they can smell the Holy Spirit. If they can see the Holy Spirit, they rise from the dead. Our job is to make them visible through shining souls. You know how you shine? Enjoy Him. The more you enjoy Him, the more joy, the more shine. The less joy, the more it's just buried deep down underneath your soul, which reveals all the sin in your life. If the personality isn't glorified, it's because it's serving demons 100% of the time. And so you just, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. The ones that are serving and obeying me, they're going to have tons of joy. They're going to have tons of peace. They'll be living in the kingdom realm. They'll understand agape, divine love. They'll be intoxicated. You know, everyone that was close to Jesus that became a major leader of the first century church was drunk on the new wine. There isn't a single leader that didn't get intoxicated. I mean, Acts chapter 2, that's true. But also, the next 30 years after that, church history, they called it love feasts. You know what they do? They go to houses. They would so enjoy the Spirit. They would indulge in the Spirit. They would feast on the Spirit. They would feast on the Word to the point of inebriation and intoxication. They called them love feasts. So Sobriety was a lack of spirituality. Nowadays, you say those things, and you know we understand that because we've been doing that, this and saying this for a long time, and it's been fringe. But it needs to be the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It needs to be the main course is the wine. The wine is the main course before revival. The wedding supper at Cana of Galilee, it was the arch of Jesus' ministry, the intoxication of his wine. The drinking and getting drunk on his wine was the arch of Christ's ministry. It was the pinnacle and he did it first because it's the wine comes first and then the revival. And they had revival. It was the fulfillment of Judaism and the bringing forth of the kingdom age and the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's as revival as revival gets. Everything that's been revival since then has simply hitched on to what Jesus did back then and just continued to do His will now in their own timeline, which is bring the wine and bring the kingdom, which is celebrating the presence of His glory, the ability to live in the promised land of God's glory now. Now is the time of God's promised land. 
at any point your faith can transport you into the promised land. Doesn't even need to be corporate. You can pioneer it for others. The promised land is the glorification of your inner man. That your body and your personality and your whole brain is just baptized in there in endless glory. And it just gets brighter and brighter on the inside every day. That's promised land. Promised land is original design that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't get any more advanced in Christianity than 1 Corinthians 6.19. Your body is the temple of the fullness of heavenly glory. That in you close your eyes and under your eyelids, the brightness in there, what you can see, the promised land right now. I'm looking at God right now. Amen. Look at God. The pure in heart will see God and the Lamb of God's your purity because you don't have any. But you have Jesus and His purity is shared and imparted into you. So you already have the purity of the Lamb. And so let that wash over your hearts and minds and cleanse your conscience from all acts of death, all perverse acts, all acts of sexual morality, all acts of, of lust and greed, in idolatry be forgiven and be washed in the fresh blood of Jesus today and then look inside your soul at the blood of Jesus manifesting the glory of God you can't grow unless you're seeing God because who can ascend the mountain of the Lord he who has clean hands and a pure heart the pure in heart see God which means you can't even rise on the mountain without seeing the glory what did Jesus Christ say only believe and you will see the glory why was it important that they believed and saw the glory? Because it's the only way to grow. If you're not seeing the glory, you're not growing. You're just wasting time. Religious activity is just a waste. It's emotionalism. It's just fake. So what we do is we, we go into the prophetic. We let the prophetic anointing be imparted into our spirit. I'll tell you how it worked for me. I know it works for everyone. The prophetic anointing is given to every person's spirit to bypass and supersede the unbelief of the brain. The brain doesn't want any glory. The brain's in control. The brain's totally controlled by Satan. And so the brain has to be completely whacked by the spirit of prophecy. Otherwise, you'll just make wrong decisions your whole life. And you'll never learn to flow with the Holy Spirit. This is primary that you take your brain to the cross and kill it, not with any kind of religious painful BS, but with the prophecy of the power of the word and the spirit and the glory and all of the things that the spirit is doing on earth goes into the brain and crucifies it into the spirit. When the brain goes into the spirit, it's crucified with Christ. You're not crucified on that tree with painful nails. Your Bible says you're crucified with Christ. Christ is the anointing. You're crucified with the glory. It's the glory that crucifies the mind so that you can live the life of Jesus, which is the life of the glory. A lot of people have ideas of external acts of discipline saying that that's their cross. It's not your cross. That's a religious spirit. The cross is not a religious spirit with act, outward acts of discipline. That's a total waste of time. The glory of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it, what crucifies your senses is your cross. The Holy Ghost is your cross. I mean, think about it. You don't get a physical cross. You get what? You're born of the Spirit in the water. How are you going to grow now? You better stay in the Spirit in the water. The Spirit is your cross. 
the Spirit is taking up your cross and following Him because no one can follow Him. John 14, unless they follow the Spirit of Truth. So how close are you today to the Spirit of Truth? That's how close you are to following Jesus. The Spirit of Truth deals with our minds because there's no truth in the human mind. Zero. There's no truth in the world. Zero. All truth comes from Jesus and His Spirit, which illuminates the Spirit first. So it doesn't go to the brain first. It doesn't benefit the brain first. That's why you have to walk by faith, not by sight. Sight is brain. Which means if you're not willing to grow in glory, and Greeks that seek knowledge are always shutting down the growth in glory, which is most Christianity out there. It's just Greeks seeking knowledge, Hebrews, signs and wonders. Both of them totally demonic, soulish, selfish activity. It's all antichrist. The true Christ is illuminating the spirit and keeping the brain in the back burner. Sorry, you're not benefiting from this today. And letting it have its little temper tantrum and be a little crybaby. Have a fit. If you're not going to take care of me, I'm going to go do some rebellion and get into some sin. And they try to manipulate God like you manipulate others your whole life. Like God can be manipulated. This is the infancy in Christ that everyone deals with. Testing God to see if God's real. Testing God to see if God loves you. If God is who he says he is. Everyone tests God. People say, oh, don't you test God. Amen? The Bible says you can test him. Test me in this and see that I won't outpour. Malachi chapter 3. I believe you can test God. I mean, you're not going to test the Lord your God like a demon. But you do want to test him in the promises. That you're good for your word. You know, obedience is a test of God fulfilling God's word. Peter tested God when he walked on water. And it worked for a while. It's true. Obedience is saying that God has passed his test. It's a judgment towards God that's accurate. Faith is judging God true to his word. Judging God loyal and faithful. Judging God right and real. Judging God worthy of my soul and loyalty and obedience. We need to be like well-trained soldiers. We're not just taking orders because we don't understand. He says, you're my friends. You take orders because you understand the advancement of our family business. It's not just for individual people's benefit. It's for the benefit of the entire kingdom. Every time you can obey and get into a place of greater maturity and flowing in the river, which is continuous obedience, and all your acts and words and everything advance the kingdom. That's a place of autopilot where you're just flowing in the river and not questioning because there's a whole cavern, there's a whole canyon cut through by the circumcision and the tearing of the veil so that the river can flow through you. It's not just every day a struggle, it's the river controlling every day. You're in the day of the Lord. That's what hearing prophecy constantly feasting on the word and cutting the soul, that's why you can't get people to stick around and just get totally canyoned for like the the Grand Canyon for the, the great river to flow through them. Because people want to hold on to the sides of the walls 
into the two different cavities of their brain and when the river starts to control the brain it gets them uncomfortable a disciple has the whole canyon yielded to the river within the third strand cord that's not easily broken but still a lot of Christians manage to break it which it's not easy kicking against the pricks or shutting down the flow of the river in between your soul the center of your soul Ecclesiastes says the cord of three strands is not easily broken you know you have two strands one from mom one from dad called your DNA but there's a third strand called the river of life that's right in the center of your human DNA and a disciple has yielded the weakness of their mom and dad's DNA flesh that you're wearing as the housing of your spirit right now and you've yielded it to the river revelation causes the yielding of the canyon walls to the river flowing through it amen so revelation is what keeps the canyon or the temple yielded to the spirit you're the master of this temple temptation is to take over masterhood of the temple and say the holy spirit you're no longer my master which is jesus no longer your lord i'm sure he's your savior but only as lord can you store up treasures in heaven those that only know my savior don't have any rewards in heaven zero they don't even have houses they just live in an open prairie it's true in order to have great rewards and mansions in heaven you must have the spirit as the master of this house amen he's the strong man of israel he's the principality we deal with all these other principalities how about the fear of the lord the beginning of wisdom the holy spirit as the principality of this house if you let the holy ghost be himself you have more power than you know what to do with your life be so easy holy ghost wants to make it easy the only issue that we struggle is we don't let the holy spirit be the master and principality of the house we have our own desires our own wants and cares david said i'll never be in want which means i'm not wanting anything spirit whatever you want you come to a place whatever the spirit wants and then you know what you get the highest possible quality of life that you could never create for yourself in a hundred million years that's true in business that's true in ministry that's true in relationships that's true in every single aspect of life on earth if you let the spirit build the house which is the quality of your natural man's life on earth then you'll never labor in vain which means you'll never be sorrowful you'll never have regrets you'll never have shame now you have the blood of jesus for all the mistakes you make because a righteous man falls seven times what is getting back up again yielding back to the power and control of the holy spirit and the work he's doing in your life lord finish your work in me you've been working in me for so long how long are you going to keep working yeah he finishes what he begins author and finisher of our faith and it's a joyous thing for him and he's not even frustrated when you're young when you don't understand how to flow with him he's a good father which means he enjoys the childhood he doesn't enjoy the sin he doesn't want to see you hurt yourself with demons but as you understand him and begin to know him through intimate fathering there's an intimate fathering of your spirit which you progressively yield your spirit to letting him control the water courses of your soul at first you don't understand so he's, he's not frustrated he's not yelling at you 
He's wooing over you. He's cooing over you like a dove. He's brooding over you. He's vibrating over your life. He's dancing over your mind with angels. He's imparting substances out of the Garden of Eden and pouring them on your head. If your heart desires to make progress in God, God will always meet you where you're at. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It is written. It's true. He can't. He'll never break his word. God cannot lie. It is written. God is not a liar. God is not a man. The Father is not a man. He is a great spirit and he cannot break his word if your heart is towards him and that's what he's looking at the depth of your spirit the thoughts of your spirit if they're towards him and desiring him and wanting him that's where he comes to his children that's where he runs out of his house to the younger prodigal when they're a long ways off it is written and yet while the son was a long ways off the father met him on the road because the Father is hearing your thoughts right now. And He knows if you want to make progress towards Him. A lot of people don't. Just playing games. But if you're burnt out with the games and you want progress, the Father God, the Father Himself, is listening to your spiritual thoughts. He's listening to the intentions of your spirit. And it's not just finding out sin. It's a desire. It's a thirst for heaven. I've never seen the thirsty go without living water. If you want God, you'll find him. He'll show up every time. The Holy Ghost is sent out into all the earth. If you are thirsty, he will fill you with living water. We need to make the nations thirsty for the living water. The Spirit and the Bride say, come and drink. They're not coming and drinking because they're satisfied on sexual morality and debauchery and the liquor store on every corner in America right now. Truth anyhow. It's alcohol that they're satisfied on right now. Dating. Television. Sporting events. These are the main distractions and there's a lot more than that. The list goes on and on. But this stuff is destroying their souls. It's idols. You know, it's funny when you're in the wine and you're in the joy, but you look at the souls that are just making stupid carnal decisions. What's the junk in their life that's keeping them from thirsting for the river and finding the river? It's all this stuff. Yeah. It's all idolatry, but it's mainly alcohol and dating. <laughs> it's the desires of your soul that you be drunk and in love. But they're not drunken in love on the Holy Ghost. They're drunken in love on the demon spirit through sexual morality and debauchery. And so Satan's just keeping them out of the kingdom. So a people whose waters get so purified, so crystal clear and sparkling, that our waters will wash that sin. When the Spirit is sent forth, he convicts of righteousness and judgment and sin. It'll convict of sexual morality. It'll convict of the drinking of alcohol. Anytime there's been revival in the last 6,000 years, alcohol gets shut down in the region. You study revival history 100% of the time. Because the spirit and alcohol are two trees in the garden. You'll love one and despise the other, and then you got these lukewarm, sipping saints in the middle that justify it. Jesus drank alcohol. You, what did Jesus Christ say? Jesus came in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant, they took opium. You don't do opium either. Come on, man. Wisdom. Jesus said, you will not drink again of this until you're with me in my kingdom. 
It was a complete shift of drinking from the natural to drinking in the spiritual in the Last Supper. His own words. You need wisdom. You're drinking now and getting drunk on the Holy Spirit. It's not types and shadows of drinking symbolic substances in the Old Covenant. You're drinking the literal river of life now, and God does not want mixture in your souls. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little alcohol leavens the whole lump. The Bible says in Proverbs that a little wine is a mocker. It's a mocker. It mocks the, the lack of enjoying the Holy Spirit. And that's why people aren't consistent. And that's why you deal with constant gross disobedience. Because it's these little foxes. Not big, huge ones. Little foxes, the Bible says, that spoils the entire vineyard of intoxicating drunken glory and the purity of living in the Garden of Eden in the fullness of His glory beaming out of your heart. He requires a complete sacrifice of the soil of your heart. One fly will spoil the ointment, which means you won't even be able to use your senses in the spirit if you're still serving one fly, which is an area of demonic influence. And so the Holy Ghost will convict that fly. You know, he'll come with a fly swatter. He's not just exposing sin. He's jealous for you to experience him in a greater intimacy. He wants your mind to be satisfied on his spirit all the time. That's the meaning of life. Wisdom is coming to a place where the senses are always satisfied on the spirit. If the senses are not satisfied in the spirit, there's demonic influence 100% of the time. So it's dealing with continuous demons in the body of Christ until their senses are glorified and golden as a temple of the Holy Ghost, which means the whole soul satisfied on the one Holy Spirit. That person is a mature believer. And outpouring from them is a river of glory. That person is in full-blown revival. Let the body of Christ follow that person and go from glory to glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. And let every other enemy of the counterfeit of true maturity of being entirely consumed as a Ezekiel 47 water temple be removed from people's eyes. We have ideas of maturity that God doesn't call maturity. Signs and wonders don't mean maturity. Jesus said maturity would be the fruitfulness. Signs and wonders will follow. Signs and wonders are for unbelievers. That's what scripture says. We love signs and wonders and are all about it because there's unbelief in us. We need them. But the sign and wonder is the spirit of glory transfiguring your brain for your spirit to be like an angel of signs and wonders. For your spirit to be a full-blown Yahweh. And you better believe that that's where he's taking you. A son is equal to the father. And if you have a lesser view of yourself, there's no question about it. Satan has your birthright and you don't. Because you have a lower assessment of yourself than the Word of God gives you. You've been spiritually adopted into the kingdom, but you've been born of God, actually. I don't know how born again means you're adopted. But the Bible says you're born of God's Spirit, so you're an actual son and daughter. No adoption needed. I think the adoption comes in for the unrenewed mind. Because the spirit doesn't need adoption if you're born of spirit and water. It's recreated as a very exact likeness of the Father through God's sperm, First John says. The part of you that doesn't get it, that's what needs ingraftation. That's the flesh part of you called the soul. 
The soul is so deceived it doesn't even know who I am after I'm born again and that's why you need teaching which is preparing a feast for the body of Christ helping them grow in wisdom which is spiritual intelligence. That my spirit now is in charge here and the flesh is not and if the brain has any dominion over the spirit the demons are leading your life. Demons lead most Christians lives. Why? Because the brain has dominion over the spirit. Only those that are led by the spirit are the sons of God. It is written. Anyone who's a carnal-minded Christian being led by theology and doctrine is following the fallen angels 100% of the time. Establishing wilderness doctrine. Making the wilderness your habitation, which is always under a serpent, which is always in a building made by human hands. We need to see the glory and look at the glory as the habitation of the promised land. And as we constantly look into the glory, it will become the very tabernacle of David. And that is the promise for this timeline, that a people will so look into God's glory within their spirit, into the new creature, and see God himself face to face on the inside, that it will materialize the Shekinah glory outwardly and cover the natural realm, which is the tabernacle of David, the last feast to be fulfilled by the maturity of the believers in our time that hasn't yet happened, that we're in the works for right now. Amos 9:11 But also on that judgment day I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces I'll repair the holes in the roof which is the areas of disagreement the holes in the roof I'm going to replace the broken windows the purity of the eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul. I'm going to replace the broken windows. I'm going to fix it up like new. David's people will be strong again. David always represents the apostolic in the Bible. Understanding wisdom and prophetic language, David is apostolic. And you're all Davidic because the anointing's Davidic. You're all apostolic. Because you're being filled with Jesus, the apostle, constantly. David's people will be strong again, and they will seize what's left of the enemy Eden. Plus everyone else under my sovereign judgment, God's decree, he is going to do this. Verse 13. Yes, indeed. It won't be long now. <laughs> it's so true only you know why it's not going to be long it's not that Jesus is coming that's not it it's not, there isn't this isn't some sovereign external help it's because we finally matured and put down childish things that's the only reason why and we began to look at him face to face we really became a transfigured light being and started to live out of our spirit much more maturely. That's the only thing that changed is we grew up in Christ and put off childish things. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. We need our heads to swim. <laughs> the flood, when we finally hit the mark of the of the high calling in Christ Jesus, which is the full release of the floods of the days of Noah, which is your spirit outpouring the water and the mighty breaking waters. 
When, you, when that happens, their heads are going to swim. That is the outpouring. There will be a company of people that establish that mark of the high calling as a constant flooding of living water, and it will be the same clarity as the water of the Lamb of Revelation 22. It's not going to be muddy water, and that's why we don't really have the great harvest and the great revival yet. We'll have the great harvest and the great promised revival of all nations. It's written in Revelation 7. When the waters coming out of us through our souls and minds are as clear as the waters coming out of the Lamb of God. It has to be the same clarity. So the sanctification is the cleaning of the water through the soul. So the outpouring of the mind and the five senses is of the same water quality as the Lamb of God in Revelation 22. Then you'll have the great harvest. That's the mark of the high calling. Same water quality. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. Swimming heads. Anchor heads. I think they're going to drown, actually. Sorry, Amos. No swimming around here. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings in the living water. Heaven on earth. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. It's the blood wine of Christ, which is the glory. The glory creating provision. The glory creating new opportunities. The glory bringing people together to have a most amazing heavenly lives on earth. It's going to happen. It's in the word. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. You know what Israel means? Sons of God, children of God. I will make everything right for my people, children of God. That's what Israel means in Hebrew, children of God. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them I'll plant them on their own land, ruling the earth. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. They'll always have dominion. God, your God says so. Amos 9. Amen? Amen. We thank you for a people that have come to a place of being discipled in their spirit to bring forth these promises. We thank you for a people, Father, that will throw down the childishness that's being brought to the surface by the Holy Ghost tonight for a greater maturity, a greater glory, a greater wisdom. Hallelujah. A greater freedom. It will be more childlike, but it'll be less childish. It'll be more wisdom. It'll be more free. It'll be fun. It'll be freedom without the sorrows attached. It'll be fun with no negativity attached. It'll be the purity of living in the Garden of Eden. When your spirit renews your mind and outpours the very river of Eden, there'll be no sorrows attached to the walk you have in Christ. He's removing spiritual enemies around your natural man right now. The angels are working to clear the path, to bulldoze your future. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now for clearing the way, making straight the way for each and every one of those souls listening at the sound of my voice 
to walk into the promised land of the greater glory. Anything that's been holding them back, we release the breaker anointing to plow down and bulldoze that wall, the disagreement, the stronghold, the relationship, the repetitive sin. Repetitive sin will shut down destinies. Some of these, you get so fed up with getting constantly beat up, you just fast and the thing dies. You will have to break through. Your spirit must break through your heart and brain constantly. It is a Grand Canyon reality until the river has dominion through the canyon. And you just see it. So whatever the river's not flowing through, that's an area of demonic bondage. It could just be a dead area that you've never had water in before. The whole thing needs to be flooded. The whole temple needs to become a water temple until you close your eyes and you're looking at the water just flowing right through you. There is a river whose streams make glad your personality that flows out of your belly through your heads. We are river heads. Open up these ancient gates and let the king of glory flow out of you. The glory of the king is the river of life. And that's what we need more than anything. Heaven on earth is simply everything constantly washed by the pure water of the pure people of God. The promised land is a place of perfected purity of heart, of, of soul, of mind, and of body. Pure waters. Everything in the Garden of Eden is pure, which means if you practice impurity, you can't live there. It's not possible. It just shrinks down into the pure parts of you. It rises in you as you give him the defilement, as you give him your humanity that's entirely defiled. And you become as pure as he is. The new covenant, God got his purity inside of us. And it's a yielding through drinking into the mind that his purity is ever expanding through us. The virginity of the king is not optional. Apostle Paul says that my job as an apostle is to present all of you as a chaste virgin bride to Jesus Christ. To intensify the sexual purity of the thoughts of your inner man. A chaste virgin is someone who cannot think a lustful thought. The glory will burn up the thought life of your soul and of your mind and your personality so that your thought life cannot sin. That's when you're constantly releasing the river. If there's any sin in the thought life, there's blockages, which means the demons are robbing your inheritance and it needs to get sanctified. You get sanctified how? By reading the word, by listening to the word, by the teachings of the apostles and prophets. It is written. Book of Acts, Christianity, which is constantly feasting on revelations which empower your spirit to cleanse your thought life. The new covenant is the perfecting of thought life. And when the thought life is perfected, the body life is automatic. Perfecting the inner man puts the outer man on autopilot. Perfecting the outer man kills the inner man and is the practice of the Antichrist. So beware of that. Because that's a lot of Christianity out there is how to be good outwardly, which will destroy your spirit. You let God's glory be your goodness inwardly. Out of your belly will flow rivers that will perfect your thought life. It's all about the development of the inner man. The secret place of the heart is where you conquer from. 
living in the secret place, the shelter of the Most High. A greater intimacy with the Holy Ghost is the greater glory. Glory is birthed out of intimacy. Babies come through intimacy. Timothy says you're saved by birthing the divine child. Evidence of intimacy, a baby pops out. You just, it can't, you can't deceive people. There's a baby, you know you've been intimate. With the Holy Ghost, baby Jesus comes through, but he comes forth as a king of glory. He's not coming forth as in baby form. It's symbolic for our understanding of how we birth the king of the kingdom through our souls. Out of your belly will flow the birthing of the king of glory, but it only comes out through intimacy with his spirit in the secret place. So we just thank you, Father. I bless everyone's secret place in the secret place of their heart to have a deeper intimacy with the Holy Ghost. This is what melts your heart. This is what melts the hardness of the mind. There's hardness in the mind. There's sourness of the mind. The stuff of the mind and the heart oppose intimacy in the spirit. But intimacy with the Holy Ghost is what will soften your soul to flow in the river. You'll never get obedience out of a believer until their soul is softened and baptized in their secret place. It's just all hardness, stony ground. It's all dry place. When it's marinated, it's underwater, it's well oiled, it's well taken care of, it's always drinking, it's always refreshed in the springs of the waters of life. You can get that person to do anything God asks. But if it's dry and stony, no matter how much God asks, you'll never get them to do anything for the kingdom. They don't live for the kingdom because the dry place is hell. It's true. So there has to be a baptism. There has to be a swimming of the head in the living water. And then we're volunteers in the day of his glory, Psalms 110. He's looking for volunteers. Love you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You want to hear what the message translation says, Psalms 110? Yeah. Juicy. <laughs> The word of God to my Lord. Sit alongside me here on my throne until I make your enemies a stool for your feet. You were forged a strong scepter by God in Zion. Oh, Shabbat. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's forging you. You can see he's forging your soul as his spirit scepter, which is kingship. Kingship. This is a psalm of kingship. So as he forges your soul to be a spirit scepter of his kingdom Zion, you will rule even though you're surrounded by enemies. Your people will freely join you, resplendent in holy armor. You know, holy armor is people whose, whose outer man is controlled by the armor of the spirit through their inner man. On the great day of your conquest, they'll join you at the fresh break of day. They'll join you with all the vigor of youth. God gave his word and he won't take it back. 
You're the permanent priest, the Melchizedek priest. The Lord stands true at your side, crushing kings, demonic kings. These are principalities. He's going to crush them in his terrible wrath. Yeah! Bringing judgment on the nations. Handing out convictions wholesale. Crushing, crushing, crushing opposition across the entire earth. The kingmaker, let's say kingmaker. The kingmaker put his king on the throne. The true king rules with head held high. New Jerusalem is a city of kings and priests, which means you cannot grow in the spirit without growing in individual kingship. But it's a kingship like the Lamb of God. Notice the king of the kingdom is called the Lamb, which means complete and total sacrifice of soul. No one comes into divine kingship unless they share in the nature of the Lamb. And that's something we haven't yet done, honestly. So it's that Lamb nature is the King of Israel. And he wants many kings, King of kings, not King of babies, not King of little children in Christ, King of kings. I tell you what, he's not coming back until there's many, many kings that he's king of because the king's raising up kings. He doesn't have a jealousy problem. There's no strife in the Lamb of God. He's not insecure. His enjoyment is sharing his powerful royal scepter, his powerful royal crown, his powerful royal throne with others as their spirit comes into the same maturity as his, which is the Lamb's nature of absolute sacrifice to benefit others while their brains can't comprehend it. He's still pastoring their spirits into a greater maturity. That's true kingship. Kingship is shepherding. A shepherd is a king. Shepherd king. That's his name in Song of Solomon. The shepherd king. Where When you're shepherded, which means allowed to be controlled by the spirit, you will grow in his kingship as a shepherd. And then you begin to understand the abilities of the living waters that feed sheep. And out of the sheepfold, different kings and queens will appear, which is the maturity of their spirit through feasting on revelation truth. And they'll come to a place where they can rule. And they'll come to a place where they can reign. They'll come to a place where their angel has the abilities of God and the winds of God to blow out enemy forces, which is mainly doubt and unbelief. If you blow out unbelief, you blow out Satan out of the planet. The Bible says Hades will be thrown out of the earth. We're going to come to such a place of maturity in this generation that Hades, the kingdom of unbelief, is taken out of the earth. It is written, book of Revelation, which means there will be no more unbelief in the earth. The whole earth will be in faith which is everyone will see the glory and know the glory as the person of God, their creator. They'll see the Shekinah light and know it's Jesus. Bible says everyone on earth is going to see the Shekinah glory and know the glory is the person of Jesus Christ, their creator, their savior, before his body returns for a while. That's what the great harvest is going to look like. People looking and talking into the cloud manifesting in every city on earth. 
Without that apostolic witness of the full-blown manifest Shekinah glory, there's no second coming. Just forget it. He wants the full heavenly witness of his spirit so that everyone can be saved. Because once he returns, it's game over. What you believe, that's where you go forever, with the devil or with him on earth. For the righteous shall inherit the earth through water, it is written. And the meek shall inherit the earth through water, it is written. So it's the inheritance of planet earth at stake through water. We just thank you for a people that have revelation of the water and that all this teaching and training at Joel's bar is how to bring more living water, how to bring the glory, the knowledge of the glory to cover the earth for everyone to have a drink. To everyone to know God deeper, more intimately, more accurately inside the temple of living water as manifesting rivers of glory, which is manifesting sons of God. <laughs> Holy Ghost, everything washed, cleaning the waters. Every day we're tuning up the waters. Every day that's a water purification system. How do you purify water? Light. The Word of God gives light. The entry of God's Word produces light. Where in your waters where you need them? Purifying God's presence and power, manifesting through your souls. Thank you, Father, for a purer water. The upgrades of the laser lights, like a filtration system of light upon the waters in every one's spirit and the purifying of hearts and the circumcising of hearts and minds and the water getting clearer and cleaner and brighter out flowing through each and every person at the sound of my voice we come together and it's just a geyser it's a flood it's a fountain of israel the believers purified waters and circumcised souls is the fountain of the kingdom of Israel. It's the fountain of the nation of the race of the believers and the sons of God. Israel. It's a race. You know that in the natural about the Jewish race, but do you know it yet about the spirit born again race that released the new covenant fountain of Israel? That's what we need to permanently demolish Satan and all of his influence in this universe. You know, all the red dragon is, is the human heart. If you wash the human heart with clear enough water, there's no red dragon on earth, which is the pinnacle of wrongdoing. Satan's a red dragon only because he has so many hearts. Because so many hearts are crooked and corrupted. The purifying of your heart with the living water is the antidote for the nations, for the red dragon. You, def you defeat the red dragon by purifying your own hearts. And God will use you mightily. Character over quantity and quality. It's all about the character of the heart, the purity of the heart for the release of the water. That's the most important thing to God. Amen. It's a constant refinement. The corruption and the pollution and the additives of our souls connected to external things, it's getting refined. Holy Ghost is doing an awesome job on earth refining the believers that are going more and more into cleaner, purer, brighter, living waters. It's your spirit constantly rising. It's your spirit going from glory to glory, purifying the temple. In the temple, it's getting constantly remodeled. Different furniture, different paintings, 
different light fixtures. It's a house where God lives. God lives in mansions and your bodies are his mansions. He wants a house that completely resembles his abode in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. His quality and of life you provide as making room in your soul for him to remodel it. You know what remodels it? You agreeing with his word. Letting his word go forth and change your soul for God's dwelling place. Our souls are the resting place of God's spirit. Our souls create the tabernacle of God's heart. David just means God's heart. Tabernacle of David is a people that let God's heart abide in them. Not upon them, not an external thing, in them. Changing character. Changing our heart to his heart. To have the heart of God on the inside, which is the full release of the throne of God on the outside. These ones, he's not ashamed to call brothers and sisters because they have the same heart in them. Thank you for your heart. Give us heart transplants. You know, he does it gradually with water. Be, it's such a cop-out where it's just like, take my old heart out, put a new one in. That's not how it works. It's little by little as you get to know him in the secret place. As you just trade your heart for his heart, and then it dissolves your heart into him. Scripture after scripture, illuminating the heart, walking with him along the way. Burning, melting, dissolving, purifying the heart, testing the heart seven times into pure gold until everything in you is as rock solid as he is. And each and every one of you can say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because you have the heart of God inside you. They'll look at the outer man, they'll see you so that you'll get mistreated. They'll treat you as a mere man as they did Jesus. Religious people treated him as a man. That was God inside of a man. That was God inside a man's body. A mature believer is God inside of a man and woman's body. Same exact deal as Jesus of Nazareth, firstborn amongst many who have God in the body. And God is real in there. And as you progressively know him, it'll clear it up, clean it up, until people will be undeniable looking at you and they'll see God. That's when they'll rend their hearts and beat their breasts and mourn and lament that they have attacked the sons of God. They've attacked and murdered the Lamb of God that was inside the ones that were the temples of Yahweh. It's the God outside-minded, the bewitched that attack the God inside-minded who are paving the way for His second coming, making our job a thousand times harder than it should be every day. The opposition is not coming from unbelievers. It's coming from your own brothers and sisters that are not God inside-minded that are not knowing and understanding the plumbing of the temple of the new covenant, of allowing the Father to be fully formed in Him and to know the glory in the secret place. They're distracted in external idolatry, and their Christianity is complacency. Their Christianity is occult, actually. Their Christianity is the occult, and that's true. Because they're bewitched. Witchcraft is as occult as it gets, especially if it's equated to the New Testament scriptures, but practicing them in the outer man and not the inner man is the occult. So we're dealing with sorcery that comes in the guise of Christianity every single day in Babylon the Great. And the only ones that are making progress are the ones that are going deeper into the water and letting the water purify and sanctify and transform their hearts to be the containers of the heart of God, establishing the tabernacle of David, the remnant that bring forth the manifest heart of God, 
which is the manifest Son of God and the manifest glory of God, the manifest kingdom of God, and the manifest river of God, and all the angels will be inside that heart that we bring through the purifying of our own hearts. In Jesus' name, amen! <laughs> Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Glory. I just pray a special blessing over all of our supporters. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to each one how they should financially support Red Letter Ministries. The Bible says if anyone leads in teaching and in revelation, they are worthy of double honor. And in the Amplified, it says financial support. Double honor means supporting with money. So if you're being led in the teachings of Red Letter Ministries, Scripture teaches that you should support financially that ministry. So click the links and give cheerfully, and the Lord bless you as you give and increase you a thousand times after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Glory. <laughs>
Explain, but I got it. 